Welcome to Hats, Tats, and Stats Podcast, a championship-caliber Buffalo pro sports talk show. Hats, Tats, and Stats is part of the BICBP radio network. Check us out online at BICBP-radio.com. What's going on, folks? Welcome back to Hats, Tats, and Stats Podcast, a championship-caliber pro sports podcast, hosted this week by yours truly, Big Diesel, in-house, with a broken, beaten-down, and defeated bold claim Ben. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> you described me perfectly. I did. <laughs> you are, you are, you're all goth today, and I, I understand that. I've been wearing black all week, it's... and people at work have been like, are you okay? Yeah. Anything <laughs> you want to talk about, buddy? Everything all right at home? Um, no. No, well, everything a, is not right at home. <laughs> that's, a, that's a beautiful segue into uh, the latest news for the Buffalo Bills, at the very least. The firing of Ken Dorsey and promotion of... Joe Brady to interim offensive coordinator. Ben, quick thoughts on the move? Um, I think it was needed. Uh, something to spark the offense, hopefully, and maybe save our season at the moment. But honestly, if if it doesn't save the season, we're looking at a real interesting offseason here. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It, it reeks of desperation. Um, the reality is... Dorsey should have been gone before this game because this wasn't a game that you could really say was on Ken Dorsey. Like, honestly, I was saying while well, watching the game, this was one of my – I liked his game plan this week better than previous weeks. He's not a great game planner, and this is the point I'll bring up too I because I was on this podcast bitching about Brian Dable for years. And Dable had his flaws, man. His, his biggest flaw was that as an offensive play caller with Josh Allen and all those tools, he would throw one stinker of a drive every game. That was just like, what, what do you, why, why are you getting fancy? But he did a lot of things right, like throwing the ball on first down and calling plays for Josh, not calling the plays to Josh, which is what I think Dorsey did a lot of. He called plays to the offense. He didn't call it for the offense. Yeah. Um, so hopefully Joe Brady comes in and does a bit more of that. But I, Dorsey was so flawed as a, as a play caller. It was ridiculous. I've I've been playing a lot of devil's advocate recently. Um, there's a lot of people who want Sean McDermott hat on a platter. And I'm kind of in the realm of I want to see him with another offensive coordinator next season before I can truly make that decision. Um, there's a lot of national media talking about the Bills right now. Um, and the one that I really want to point out is uh, what Gronk said. And that when Sean McDermott took over this uh, organization, it was coming off of Rex Ryan and how I'm disciplined. You remember how many fucking pounds we would get a game yeah, with Rex Ryan? Plus a game with it was aggressive. But he was basically saying that over the past year this team is slowly devolving into a Rex Ryan team where our discipline is going out the window we're not uh thinking about ball security we're not thinking about penalties like all the little things yeah it's a, the attention to detail that was another thing that I wanted to say too is is it felt like with the offense that we were going in the team in general we're going backwards to what Sean won with when we had Shady and friggin Tyrod and it feels like we're just going backwards towards that team, and it feels like 
right now we're going backwards through the, the second year phase of Josh of like figuring out what he was good at and rolling with that. And now it's like we're rolling that back and the whole we want to try out other offenses thing. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's just like it's like you're rolling things back instead of saying, no, this is what Josh does well. And this is the point I made the other day um, to Dad. And it was just like, Josh lit up the league, specifically the Dolphins, but the league for two years. And Dable called all those over-the-field crossers. Yep. Those over-the-field crosses, And he'd hit it late into that opposite window towards the sideline. When's the last time you saw him hit one of those? Uh, that would be when Dable was our offensive coordinator. I disagree. It was last year. <laughs> last year before the bye. Yeah. After the bye, when everybody said vibes have changed, there's something different. Something happened there. It had to. Because we're just going backwards from that moment. And we're on the downward spiral right now. And obviously, they're grasping at straws because DC's out, OC's out in nine months' time. I mean, what's next? How many coordinators can you go through in a short amount of time like that and reasonably not have your head called for? Well, and that's the John Fox scenario, right? Um, I, this is Someone a con- call it a conundrum. Yeah. I, I had this talk with my friends who are all non-Bills fans. Once you fire a coordinator, now Leslie Frazier was not a fire, um, Ken Dorsey was, obviously, and one that's in season. Once you fire... Which is not a character for this organization. Yes. When you fire a uh, coordinator, you're automatically putting yourself in the hot seat as the head coach. Right. Because he's on your staff. Which is exactly what happened to John Fox in Denver. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's not a good spot to be in at all, but that's where we've gotten to. But also, coming into this year, there was a lot of worries, and those worries have paid off in terms of, like, Spencer Brown hasn't been the issue, no, but the offensive line is still below average. It is. Deion Dawkins is bad. I don't care what anybody says. No, I agree with that. I've said it for years. He's a poor man's Jason Peters. He's just a grabber, a leaner, and can't run block. Then you got you're relying on a rookie. Mitch Morris is cooked. Yeah, he's, he's old. cooked. And like his brain is mush. Yeah. I love the guy. He did a lot of good things for us, but man, he is cooked. And who we got? Hey, the other guard, McGovern. McGovern, which free agent? I don't think he's done horrific, but I mean, you're. I mean, best. honestly, a, a guy who's been quiet is good for. Offensive line sake. Right. When you're not going, motherfucker, why is that dude fucking up so bad? Right. When 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 you're hearing quiet news on the offensive Especially line, interior it's, it's usually line. better. Especially on yeah. the interior. Um, but linebacker-wise, we found a stud in Bernard. Dorian Williams is getting babied. And I don't know why, because Tyrell Dotson is horrific as an athlete. Like, he honestly, I get what they see in him because he does have the instincts. Like, he's constantly going to the play. But he's not athletic enough to go actually make the play. Like, he's never there to make the play. Or he's he's chasing late. Or he's not getting off a block because he's just not a good athlete. He's Tremaine Edmonds without the athletic ability and size of Tremaine Edmonds. Right. So that's <laughs> frustrating to watch him throw on the field when, yeah, Dorian Williams is going to make mistakes. But, my God, that guy flies around the football field. And Bernard, like I said, stud. Um, goes back to my point of I think they're, they're Sean, one of Sean's end goals for when we see run-heavy teams, is to be able to throw three linebackers at them. And that's the other part of me playing devil's advocate here, um, because I really do feel like 
obviously the offensive, obviously the coach has a tie-in with every single part of the team. However, I really feel like Sean trusts his guys to make the calls. And he trusted Dorsey with the offense. And I really don't feel like defensively that has been the issue of our team. It's hard to call a good defense when your entire defense is hurt. It's hard to call a good defense when the opponent's average starting field position is the 44-yard line. Correct. Their 44-yard line. Like, I have no issue with the way our defense is. Honestly, like, and I I heard people ripping Sean and saying, where's your accountability for his comments after the last game? But this has been weeks in the making of him not saying anything and constantly putting his faith in, in Dorsey and the offense. And how many times has this beat-up defense held us in a goddamn ball game for the offense to fall flat on their face? I mean, constantly it was six points, three points, eight points and a half in, in the first half. It was atrocious. And the defense was holding us in these ball games, getting turnovers, and not turnovers in terms of like picks and fumbles as much, but turnover on downs and punts are turnovers. And just that, I've, I played defense for two years. You played defensive line for yeah. four years. That's how we think of it. If you get the ball back to your offense, it's a turnover in your defense's mind. So they're getting turnovers. They're, I mean, the, they turned the ball over four times last week, and the Broncos got seven points on them. That's insanity. Yes, that's good defense. That's <laughs> damn good defense. Yeah. With how many guys we're missing against a former All-Pro. And, you know, our defensive line still does defensive line things where our guys get one play a game. And that's really all I want our defensive line to do. However, Vaughn is not ready, and I need them to stop rolling him out like he is. Vaughn Von is definitely not ready. He's not ready to play at the NFL speed. He's not ready to play at the XFL speed, to be perfectly honest. And the fact that every t- every time A.J. Epinesa gets on the field, he's around the play and doing his job and flying. He looks so good. And every time he's on he's the field, he's having a career plays. year. Yes. But it was noticeable last game when he got on the field versus when Vaughn was on the field. Like, when Vaughn missed and ran upfield, it was such a wide arc because he's slow and can't bend on that, that leg the same that he was like three yards, four yards behind Russ. And he just stepped up and made a little play. When AJ got run by because he did go behind and technically didn't win the rush, he was like a yard behind Russell. So, like, the lineman was on Russell Wilson's back. That's, you know, small difference, two yards. You think about that, six feet. That's not that big of a difference, but it is. Because obviously that affects the quarterback differently. Obviously, AJ also got a sack and pressure. Like, just needs to be on the field more, man. Yeah. I need, I also need Groot to step up a little bit more. I, I do feel, as, as I was saying. In terms of finishing plays, I say yes. Because yes. he's there to make the plays, but he's constantly diving. And like not bringing his feet on the hit. So I'm with you on that. Um, make the, make the free yeah. play. And honestly, interior-wise, I can only expect so much from Ed Oliver when the rest of the interior D-line is hurt. I mean, we were talking about this as well. It's hard to rush when you're constantly being double-teamed. And with the rest of the defensive line hurt, it makes it easier to block. Yeah, but Ed, Eddie's also still winning his pass rush with. Great. That's what I'm saying. Like so he's I, still winning. That's what I'm the, saying. I still like the way he's been playing. The issue that people, the the yeah. people, the the general fan doesn't understand is when you pass rush with you got to pass rush as a unit. 
So it's not just Von Miller going out on the edge and beating his guy. Because you can beat your guy, but if the quarterback takes off the other way because he end ducked inside, you're never going to make that sack. So that's the whole closing the net, and there's a whole bunch of terminology and what landmarks you got, but you got to pass rush as a unit. I've noticed Ed winning up the middle, but I've also noticed that one of our edges has been flat as hell. It's either going way upfield or and, getting stalled at the and line, I, and I always and they're notice, taking advantage of it. I notice Ed winning his rush, and usually our nose guard is either stalemated or being pushed back, which creates There's seams, actually the amount of which times... Which creates seams for the quarterback to step 100%. up in the pocket. The number one thing when you're a nose tech that you need to be aware of is the open B-gap to your side. That's the easiest escape route for the quarterback where there's going to be the least amount of defenders. If he makes it out that backside B-gap, if you can visualize what I'm talking about from the nose tech inside the guard in the center and the end outside the tackle, quarterback gets out of there, it's one-on-one with the linebacker corner or safety, whoever's kind of out there based on the pass routes. So what I noticed the Bills were trying to do is bring that nose and rush him outside the guard. The issue is, every time that they were slanting, he was getting wide and so big, now you got double A-gap in the middle wide open. Yep. So Russ was stepping up a couple times, and not the first time this year that's happened. Mac Jones did it a couple times. And it's like, the guy who's been getting washed a lot is Jordan friggin' Phillips and Tim Settle. fucking huge. And I'm like, how are you getting washed? You guys are massive human beings. And then every time Jordan Phillips fucks up immensely, he gets hurt. And it's just a hurt friggin' ego, dude. And honestly, I, I really feel... Puna Ford must be incredibly washed to not get any playing time at D-Tackle. Must be. Because this is a guy who's had a, a, a pretty... A guy. Su- now here's a guy yeah. who's had a pretty successful NFL career uh, at D-Tackle. Yeah. Like, statistically, like, looking at productive. productive career. He was great in Seattle. And he's practically on the practice squad at this point. He's not getting any playing time, he must be so washed because I would rather have him in there over Jordan Phillips. Me too. And and Phillips might also actually be on the injury report, so he might not play. Who knows? That guy's soft as hell for being six foot eight and 350 pounds or whatever the hell he is. Um, I I don't know. Like, I can't write too much about that. He, he, He must not be very good compared to those guys in practice for whatever that's worth, and I know that this coaching staff clearly puts a lot into what guys show at practice. They've shown that to us. Yep. But also, again, the defense is balling. Like, these are minor gripes that we got with the defense here. The defense is balling. Well, because we're talking about this because <laughs> it, it hurts too much to talk about our offense. <laughs> it does. It hurts too much. And, and the other thing that I see out there a lot about our defense, well, they, there they go giving up the big drive at the end of the game again. And, yeah, I'm on that train, too. You have to not give... The, the big thing that they do on those drives is give up the first play is the big play, and you just can't do that. That's the easiest way to just all of a sudden you're on your heels. Um, Momentum is gone. But yeah. the other thing is, by the time that they're getting the ball, the other team's getting the ball back with two minutes left, the defense has been on the field for 36 friggin' minutes that game. It doesn't matter what your rotation is, man. That's an NFL 36 minutes on the field. Like, they're beat up, tired, exhausted, mentally exhausted, and expected to go perform, well, I mean, obviously your adrenaline's going to be at the highest. And to the casual fan, you you are expecting the defense to make a play. You're like, right. these guys are being paid professionally. They need to make the play they whether did. they're tired or not. They just made the play for 35 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And those last 30 kill you. But, like, at the same time, don't put yourself in that situation. 
And that's not on the defense. Don't put yourself in that situation. Yep. Then you don't have to rely on your exhausted guys to go out and make a play. And it was the same conversation we had when they lost to the Chiefs after 13 seconds, and they marched down the field in OT, and people were like, oh, we'll just get a stop with your defense. They've been out there the whole game, man. And yeah, the Chiefs defense would have been in the same spot. Exhausted. And all it takes is one defensive mental breakdown, and all of a sudden it's a, it's a touchdown. One offensive mental breakdown is probably a sack or a TFL. Like a but, it, but with Josh, now, now that's the other thing. With a good quarterback, one mental breakdown, you could still salvage a good play. Right. Absolutely. And, and to your point, one mental breakdown on defense, that's a 25-yard play for the offense. Right. Because if you've got a good quarterback on the other side, they're going to fucking expose you. And in the NFL especially with the schedule we got coming up, there's more often than not a good quarterback. Correct. I mean, Nate Nate pointed this out to me today because he wanted to get his shit talking as a Broncos fan. I looked at the quarterbacks that we lost to today, and it's not great company. No, it's not. The only like decent quarterback I'll put on there is maybe Joe Burrow. Uh, T-Law hasn't even had that good of a season. T-Law's not that good. Yeah. Um, and... It's not like Joe killed us. Nope. Like, he was good. But he again, was, he wasn't like a he world leader. Us. Right. Yeah. But also, if your offense shows up in any of the games that we lost this year, just shows up, then we're, we're winning. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like in the Bengals sense, when they play big games, it's not Joe that wins in that game. It's usually the defense that the wins. The defense that. is terrific, man. They're, the Bengals' defense is the reason why they win big games because... It really feels like Joe is incredibly quiet during big primetime games like that. He's got a little Eli Manning vibe to him. You know what I mean? Now, there's games where he just gets hot and rips, but there's sometimes where Joe Burrow's got that Eli Manning vibe, just three quarters of autism. (laughs) I feel more like Drew Brees. No. No? No, Drew is always Dyson. Even if he's throwing a pick, he's Dyson. Hit him right in the hands, right in stride. Um, I mean, I think that's enough Bills talk, right? We're going to get slaughtered by the Jets Sunday. That's where I'm at. I'm at the point where I, I've been telling people, let's just uh, let's hire Jim Harbaugh, let's go steal some signs and cheat our way to a Super Bowl. Um, you know, well, I don't think we're making playoffs. But I, I also, don't either. I also didn't think we were going to be that good coming into the year. And the minute that we, that we went scared against the Jets week one after Rodgers went down, I knew we were in for a tough one. Well, I a lot of people were telling me that there was a good chance that we end up third or or lower in our division. I think there's a good possibility. The Jets are still a good team without Rodgers. Now, their offense is horrendous, but their defense is going to win them football. Games. We're also 1-2 and two in division. Yeah. And our only so win coming against the Miami. Dolphins. Yeah. Because we fucking own them, apparently. Oh, we showed up in that <laughs> game, man. What? We it's love to play the Dolphins. So frustrating. It's just been a frustrating year. It's It's been the inevitable decline that finally it has come to roost. Everything has come to roost. But we've seen it coming for weeks. Well, since halfway through last year at least. And honestly, our only hope at a playoff spot was the good news that Deshaun Watson is done for the season. Because the AFC North looks like they might take every single fucking wild card spot. Yeah, Mike Tomlin keeps winning games, but don't worry, they'll end up eight, eight, and one. 
So <laughs> I'm not that worried about the Steelers, to be honest. Um, the Texans are probably the only other wildcard team that I could really imagine other than our division. Let's go. Say it louder <laughs> for the people at home. <laughs> Because, honestly, I don't see anybody in the AFC West making a real push. The Chargers are going to keep on charging. And the Broncos are... Look, at, I mean, if, you're, if your biggest accomplishment is beating us and then Kansas City, like the Kansas City game, obviously, yeah, good for you. Kansas City also hasn't really been the same this year either. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Honestly, then, honestly, NFL-wide, there's kind of just a lot of mid-football being played. Defense is back. Yeah. Defense is back. Um, and then to the Raiders' point, how many times are you going to go into a season uh, with a guy who's not a head coach? I mean, you fight your head coach midseason, and then you're expecting your intern to bring you to the playoffs. Well, again. and the funny part about the Raiders is 90% of the time the intern does a terrific job. Yeah. He gets them like 500 or close to 500. And then, and then, and then Mark they go Dave, get a big name. Mark Davis is like, I need me a guy. They're Not gonna, that one, though. <laughs> uh, let's go get that guy over there. They're going to get hardball, aren't they? <laughs> oh, they're going to cheat their way to the Super Bowl? <laughs> All right, so let's talk about something happier, man. You want to talk about the Sabres? No. <laughs> uh, Thompson definitely is going to miss a lot of time. Yeah. Um, four weeks to... The upper body injury, which is clearly a broken hand. Slash wrist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's not good. And, I mean... In all reality, he shouldn't have been out there in the first place. He was slow. Whatever his lower body injury, which from what I've the heard... The cut on his foot from getting, being kicked? Yeah, that is what I'm hearing. Not a trip, though. Yeah. Not to stick between his legs either on that play. No. That wasn't a trip. Nope. Um, so, yeah, he shouldn't have been out there to begin with. Uh, you, We were talking about it while we were at the game. He got in for one shift, did not look good, and you were basically saying they're trying to see if he can play. But then they put him out there again. And he still looked awful. Like, I don't know about awful, but yeah, he just he, he looked lumbering. He couldn't put a lot of that, weight on his foot. That being said, he really cut. one of the highlights I did see of him, or lowlights if you look at it, uh, was when he wasn't injured. And it was him and Jeff just casually skating back while the Bruins just took a clapper. Yeah. Right at the top of the circle. Yeah, that was tough. Um, that was also a sick shot by Pasta. Beautiful shot. However, as my boy Eric Johnson said, we will not win games until we commit to team defense. That's a fact. That's a fact. That was bad back checking by both. Jeff is known for that. Tage not so much this year, or last year, to be honest. Um, but where is this offense gone, man? Why can't they score? Yeah. Uh, I feel like inconsistencies with uh, injuries does not help. However, watching the games, it's apparent that there's just certain games where we don't have stick skills and certain games where we do. We're, we're either getting too fancy with our passing or we're not able to complete the pass to begin with. Yeah, we're either money, like tape to tape from our below our dots to the far blue line, or it's like we can't make a, a pass along the wall. However, like I said, when we are making the passes, it's way too much. Way too much. Because we're feeling saucy. Oh, i got to make that one. Oh, my God, the one the other night where we, I forgot who had it in the slot. Wide open, high slot, and they passed it over to the wall. And it was just like, shoot the puck, man. 
Shoot the puck. And this brings me to my next point. I love, love me some Kyle Ocposo. Congratulations on a thousand games. Time to hang it up. Correct. Victor and Olsen, we were looking for a roll of tape. A couple rolls of tape. Ben got an offer across his line the other day. Ben, can you tell us what it was? Yeah, so um, the deal was Victor for a roll of tape, but I believe it was declined. So the next obvious one would be the banned pride tape because it's not being used right now. And you know, sometimes might as well stockpile. you might as well stockpile for when it goes back up, you know, when it, when it gets unbanned. And that, that one's still, that one's, we're waiting to hear back about that. So hopefully we get Vic for the band Pride tape, uh, at least one roll, maybe more, you know, uh, try to try to get some inventory going. I mean, the, this, his value's going up because he is the garbage time hero, so we, uh, might, we might get two rolls. I mean, hopefully, two the, rolls hopefully for the two Bruins like what they goals. saw <laughs> will give us like a, a six-round pick. But for real, at this point, put that guy on waivers. He is horrific. Um, he turns the puck over every time he touches it. Every time he touches it. I, I love bold claim Ben here, folks, but anybody, including himself, will tell you when he played hockey, as soon as he got the puck on his stick, it was off of his stick. He yeah, did it was not horrendous. want it on his stick. And that's the way Vic plays. And when you're on the power play, and when it comes off your stick and it's going towards the net and it goes in, that's terrific. But the rest of the time on the ice, not that great. Not that great. Um, Connor Clifton, horrific. Just not a good hockey player. He's yeah, just not he's, a good hockey trash. player. Um, you know who is a good hockey player? Ryan Johnson. I like me some Ryan Johnson. The Doc? I Johnson, like the Doc. Johnson and Johnson. Johnson and Johnson. Well, I, can, I could do without Eric, but I mean, the Doc he is makes He right. makes his plays. Look, Eric, Eric makes his plays. Yeah, for the other team. <laughs> but here's, here's what I'm looking at. And once again, we're, we're going to go back to the injuries. We're playing hockey with some guys that we're just not happy with. And basically the biggest talk I can see on NHL Twitter, Sabres Twitter, is how are we going to get our first-round guys roll time when they get up? And I think there's going to be plenty of roll time. There's guys that we can ship out yeah. tomorrow. Right now, please. Victor, Kyle, I love Zemgis, but see ya. Krebs is starting to get to that point because he's probably got decent trade value. There's four. Correct. There's four spots. The guys who, well, and as of right now, Tage is not going to get some playing time because he's hurt. Right. Um, I can tell you what, love me some mitts. Casey's got a great opportunity. And, and you know what? And that that's the other thing. Every time we lose, and we're usually we're getting shelled, but every time we lose, I still see the effort from Casey. Oh. that. His feet are and always that's, moving. That's my biggest thing, and we talked about this as well. The games that we lose, it feels like there's no fucking effort. Right. There's, there's, there's no effort, and we're just missing. We're missing the easy passes. Lazy. Yeah. However, I can tell you who always gives a constant effort. It's Mitz. It's uh, Darlene. JJ. JJ and Cousins. I'll put Cousins on that. Cousins gives the effort, but he's had a tough year this year. He can't handle the puck. No. I don't know what's up with him. I don't know. I do like me some JJ. He's also JJ's a star. Oh, you know who's also gives a ton of energy? Greenway. Oh, love me some Jordan Greenway. People hated on me. Well, people, I say people, like the three people who heard me say this. I love <laughs> Jordan Greenway. 
uh, always have from when he was playing college puck. And when he got traded here, I was very happy about it. And everyone's like, well, he, he's an analytical sinkhole. Like, all he is is kind of defensive and an offensive sinkhole. But, I mean, honestly, tell me one line that he's been on this year where he's, he hasn't provided a spark. He's a more productive... Here's my bold claim. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Here's Hit my me. bold claim. Hit me. He's a more productive Adam uh, Austin Reeves. I don't even know his first name. It's A. Reeves. <laughs> yeah, what is his first name? Okay, Ryan. so... Uh, it's so Ryan. I'm, it's Ryan. Ryan Reeves. It's not even <laughs> a name. But, Ryan Reeves. You know how I am first names. I mean, he's not a tough guy, but I get what you're saying. I, I don't. I feel like when Greenway needs to be, whenever he's out on the ice and someone gets hit, he's the first one in to yeah to say to something. But I want to see him lay some lay some bodies and like punch some faces. Um, but regardless, he's showing a bit more of his offensive upside. He's great in front of the net, which we don't have many guys who do that, even our big guys. So I I love the guy. I think he needs to be on PP one over Jeff and stick him right in front of the cage. Him right in front of the cage. Jeff is good for PP two. Jeff can be a PP two guy. You know, he's just a he's the he's he's more of an average PP guy. More of definitely definitely not a big PP guy. Um, what are your thoughts on the potential Patty Kane rumor? So I mean, originally I was against it, and I feel like a lot of people were. However, we're talking about spark in a locker room, bringing a guy who's a veteran and has won a couple cups before in a team that is also injured to spark an offense that was fucking lighting it up last season and now we're struggling. I don't hate it. Yeah, I don't hate it. I don't love it. Um, if you bring him in, I think you do have to ship pieces out and get young guys in. Because if you're going to bring in a guy like that, you're going to need more two-way play out of your depth. Because Patty Kane is going to be like your PP specialist, basically a better version of Victor Olofsson, if you will. Um, you're going to need better depth, just both offensively and defensively from your forwards. So you can't really be relying on Oposo, Gergensen's Krebs to... Like, how often do they score, man? Mostly never. Mostly never. <laughs> and they're scoring less now this year than they have in the past. So, like, that, it's just, it can't happen. It can't happen. I still don't mind Krebs. I think he's being incredibly weighed down by how bad. Uh, I don't disagree Poso's with that. This season. I don't disagree with that. But here's the thing. Pozo's not getting scratched. He's not getting cut. He's not getting weighed. So, we're fucked. Correct. Or... We're making a giant shakeup of our lines. No, we're fucked. <laughs> because there's no take. So Casey will take one C, and that line will be productive. Cousins is a maybe right now. His effort is there. The rest of his game is a maybe. He hasn't skated. So you put him at 3C? I mean, he's still probably 2C. Yeah. So the Mitts, Cousins... Then I guess you go Krebsy or Jost, you know. I, I, I if you're gonna run the the, the grinder defensive line with Gergensen, Zach Poso, I prefer Jost in that I, role. I do too. Um, I love Jost's game, and I, I I think there is 
value for. He's another guy who you put on a line, and he's gonna he's just gonna be he's gonna play his game and elevate that line to as much as he can. He's and, not and the guy who you put yeah. on the line and all of a sudden they and, just crazy. But. And that's what I agree with. And I also think with that, it gives a chance for Krebs to move up to a third or maybe second line to see what he can fucking do. I would love that. I'd love that opportunity for him. I don't know how I feel about Rusek, to be honest. He didn't really impress me. The coaches talk his praises about being able to play the two-way game. I haven't seen him be able to do jack shit offensively. His puck skills are meh. My question is, you see Coolidge coming up at all this season? I don't know. Um, I'd love to see him. I would love to. Benson, if they keep Benson, I don't think so. Yeah. If Benson goes down to the dub, then I think Kulik gets pulled up. If we get Kane. That's regardless. Regardless? I think they just want well, one. That, well, that, that's, the, think, that's my I next question their goal is if we is, get Kane. Is one young guy to be slotting in there. Which I think is stupid. I think they should kind of be trying to do what they did with Krebs. And then like Kulik JJ. and... Yeah. Kulik and... and uh, what's his face on the team already? Benson. Right, yeah. Benson, Krebs, and Kulik have a kid offensive fast line, and then roll, JJ, Tuck, Cousins, Greenway. and then Greenway, Mitz, Skinner, or you know whatever you want in that top six. But like, if you're gonna have that shitty fourth line, is what I'm gonna call it, then I'd like to see a kid line, because that's a yeah. that's a wild change of pace. You go from Kyle Poster to all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, this guy's fast. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> instead it's like... Here's... I'm going to bitch about one more thing about the Sabres. The power play is horrific. I am tired of watching them walk through the neutral zone. Like, the people get pissed off about the drop passes. Every team in the league does the drop passes. The difference is, not every team in the league goes a snail's pace through the neutral zone. And we do. Every other team goes through with speed and they try to get up to the line as a unit moving. We got guys standing at the line. We got Dolly or Thompson dangling through the middle. And then we got Skinner Skinner on the back blue line where basically if there is a chance, you try to rush it up to him, and right. then he's all alone, and he's dumping it. We're, we're doing but dumping that's my shit. thing is, is, is you got guys standing to the point where nobody's moving up as we get to the zone and we can't move the puck. And when we do, that guy's flat-footed, gets it across the line, tries to go right back, and that defenseman just pinches it off. So then we dump the puck in, but nobody's moving. So how are you going to go get the puck? I also fucking hate dump and grab for fucking power play. I mean, it's... But again, it's different. If you have Tage or JJ flying up the far wall, then yeah, ring it around and like let's get in the zone and let's get going. But again, we got guys flat-footed at the blue line, and we're dumping it in. It's who's gonna go get that? That nobody is the answer. And then we gotta reset. Wait, whoa, whoa! Again. Kyle Posto's not grabbing that. The fact that he's on PP two <laughs> is atrocious. We're getting to the point where Matt Ellis has to come into question. What the fuck do you do? Ryan uh, Granado, no, uh, Donato. Good. Fucking Girardi. Dan Girardi, Jesus Christ. Dan Girardi, part-time defensive coach. Shit or get off the pot, buddy. Are you a full-time coach or are you not? Are you a family man or are you going to come and coach defense? You can't be a part-time NHL coach. That's some, that's some bullshit. Don Granado. I have questions at this point about his ability to match lines. Yeah. 
Because that's the number one thing about home ice in the NHL. The home team changes last. You get to dictate the lineups all night, the line matchups. Every time we're on the road, we're a wagon. Because teams are trying to match up against us the way that they think they should, and it's going horrific. Every time we're at home, I, I don't know what Don's cooking, but it ain't meat sauce. It's bad. Yeah, I feel like our fourth line is out there one way too much, and two, basically strictly only against the first. Yeah, offense. Your fourth, your fourth line offense should be there to stop. He wants their, their fourth line to, to stop their forward two line. He wants their fourth. No, he wants their fourth line to be the Islanders' fourth line, but it's not. He wants it to be Sezikis, Molson, and Clutterbuck. Yeah, or not Molson. Uh, Matt Miller. What's his face? Friggin' big guy. You know, it's probably Matt Miller. Yeah, but he wants them to be that. But it's not that. None of them are face punchers. None of them are overly skilled. None of them are overly fast. None of them are great at turning the puck over and turning it into offense. So stop treating them like that. And again, the question is starting to become because we really can't win at home. I really do feel like they get way too much time. I feel like I see them significantly more than I see our third line. Absolutely. And maybe even second line. There was they a couple feel like games, our second line. There was a couple games where Tuck wasn't hurt, and he was running with Cousins and maybe Greenway. Um, and it took – we were at this game. It was the Habs game. It took until about 15 minutes into the left in the first period for them to hit the ice. Yeah, that's ridiculous. You have four lines and generally 30 to 45 second shifts, and there was no power plays in that time. So let's do the math on that. How many minutes should it take for you to get through four lines if you're rolling lines? Two to three and a half minutes. Correct. We were five minutes into the game, and Tuck, Cousins, and Greenway were first hitting the ice. Because that fucking line. Not because Tage was rolling. Not because the Mitzi line was rolling. Because Akposo and Gergensons had to get their burn. Yeah. I hate it. I, I actually do. It's bad. It's, it's really frustrating. It's really frustrating when we have Eric Johnson and... Connor Clifton? Connor Clifton. To Rolling pair, as our top to, to, line? To pair them with him? Yeah, it's, it, that, that's starting to become a, a concern to me with Donnie. Because I like a lot of what he does, but that and the special teams is bad. I, I will also say, uh, someone who I have been a little disappointed in, and you'll tell me that he's still a kid, Owen Power defensively I oh, have not been a fan of. Sophomore slump. He had yeah. one game against the, the Dallas Stars last year, and that was the one game where I was like, you know what, he looked like a rookie. And this year he's had four games where I've, I'm like, yeah, you know what, he looks like he's played in the NHL before. Yeah. I don't know what's up with him, but he's another guy who looks lackadaisical. Um, refuses to use his size. Reminds me of young Tage a little bit in that. It's like, dude, I understand that you're very talented. Offensively, I have no issue with the way he's been moving the puck. Getting, I have a little bit of getting his Can I finish my point? Okay, sorry. Go He's ahead. a little bit like young Tage, where it's like I understand that you are mostly a finesse hockey player. You are also six foot five, six foot six. I'm not asking you to bury people. I'm just asking you to be big, and you know use, what that means. Use your size. And right now he's still playing, still playing like he he always did. And it's like I understand that you can still play that way, just. Play big as well. 
Tage finally figured he's, it out. He's playing college level hockey. Yeah, but he didn't last year. Yeah, which is frustrating. But I'm with you on that. No, I I, I echo that sentiment. He's had a sophomore slump for sure. Dowling continues to amaze me. Every Love that game. guy. Every game, he does something ridiculous dick-handing wise I've never seen before. Every time I or, watch him, I have to go, he's 23. Or last game, there was a whole defensive stretch where he was just working post, and he must have had about four ridiculous plays. Yeah, or, breaking up a pass. Yeah, I was like... to the corner. He was literally just pivoting around a post for four plays, and he made a play on every single one of them. I'm like... That's fucking gross. No, he's he is a franchise defenseman. He's he's terrific. I love everything about him. I wish Samuelson wasn't made out of glass. Um, people are gonna freak out about Levi, but the point was made and on a show I was listening to the other day. At the beginning of the year, pretty much every year at Northeastern, he had to work out some of his game and figure it out. He ended all of those seasons with like a nine twenty or above save percentage. So let's relax. Also, remember when he came in at the end of last year, he was coming off a full season of work. So he was in top form, you know, feeling good, feeling right. So that's another part of this NHL process that you see a lot of guys struggle with is coming in after an off season, and all of a sudden you're into an 82-game schedule. It's not... I still... It's I, not... Yeah. We have a month of practices, and then we play Saturday, Sunday. I still Saturday, feel Sunday. like he's he's always in good position... Um, nah. I I feel a majority of the time he's in decent. Position. I feel like I feel like sometimes lately he, especially once he gets scored on early, which a lot of times aren't his fault. We just forget to play defense because we suck at defense. But then he starts chasing a bit, and he starts trying too hard to go make a save. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he'll end up way outside of the net, and then the other team will just like pass it back because he's like, "Well, you're why are you out that far?" And like the pasta goal, yeah, it was a terrific shot. But why was he so far out challenging that other shooter on a two-on-one? Yeah, You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, just chill, kid. Just chill. Relax. And when he was relaxed two games ago, whatever game that he freaking stole for us, man, he was lights out. But he wasn't chasing like that. He wasn't going outside of the post and doing all that. He was just sitting down, finding the puck, making the save, controlling it. Uh, and I will, I will say this. When UPL plays, I know the game we're, we're going to get. Oh, yeah. It's very consistent. It's wildly um, consistent. And, like, to that point, I do feel like defensively we know how to play our game when he's in net. Unfortunately, we don't often play it how it should be. Right, but no, we. I'm, I'm with you. We know what to expect, what what shots we really shouldn't give up, and what shots we should. He's going to give up two fluky goals. Right. And, and I, that's what I expect. And it always happens, but like on a majority of the shots, he's there. Right. He's big. Right. He gets in the way. <laughs> and that's the other thing about NHL goaltending, and and I mean, you hear this all the time about prospects and where did this guy come from? I mean, you talk about Jordan Bennington with the Blues and making that run with the yeah. Cup, and now where is he? You know, like they're really regretting paying him and all this stuff. Anti Niemi. Anti Niemi. You can go down the yeah. list. Tim Thomas. <laughs> Tim Thomas was the greatest goaltender in the world for one summer. Led the Bruins to a cup and walked off into the sunset to go shoot Grizzly Bears with a, a crossbow. Well, 2012 was happening. The world was about to end. You know that. So Tim Thomas had to light it up. But <laughs> my point on goaltending is a lot of it does come down to puck luck as well as the skill of the goaltender. And some guys don't get that puck luck except for one season. 
UPL might be that guy who has a three goals against average, and then one season shows up, shows out, gets all the puck luck where none of those fluky shits go off his defender or nothing bounces four times and gets deflected once and then goes in. You know what I mean? So one year he'll end up having sick numbers. Will it be with us? I don't know. But, God, I hope he's on our team when he gets hot. Because that's what goaltending yeah. in the NHL is, man. There's not a lot of Hashiks. There's not a lot of Vasilevskis. <laughs> I mean, Robin Leonard. Yeah, dude. Right? Yeah. When he got hot, it just wasn't with us because he decided to go sell snakes down in Vegas. I don't know. But he got hot. Yeah. yeah and, but that was Part of it's like, also the team that Allmark, was in front of you, but Allmark's a lot of it's puck hot. luck. Right. A lot of it's puck luck. So hopefully he finds the puck luck when he's with us. But he's got the basis to at least be an NHL goalie. Our team knows how to play around him. I'm with you. I'm not saying Levi doesn't. I'm just saying, obviously, there's going to be growing pains. I'm not giving up on the kid, and I hate seeing talking heads on Twitter. <clears throat> Jody Biasi. Fuck you. Um, going next game in for the Amherst. What? Relax. Like, talk about, oh, well, we don't want to ruin the kid. Well, don't send him down to the friggin' minors and tell him, well, go work on your game. Work on your game up here. Because it's not like he's... He's not the reason we're losing these games. No. Like, even the, the Calgary game that we were at, and again, he didn't play well. Did not play well. You know who else didn't play well? The team in front of him, man. They were dog shit. They got outskated by Calgary, who's going through, like, upheaval right now. Should we play the young guys and ship out all the vets? They outskated yeah. us. That was gross. That was a tough so, game to watch. <laughs> has Levi been great? No. But I don't think you can expect anybody to... Hold them a world beater. Unless like you have a Vasilevsky in front of you. Even then, yeah. When you're playing like that, that's tough. Sometimes you just need a carry price to drag you to the playoffs yeah. when you're straight. Where's Rick DPH when you need him? <laughs> All right. Well, before we wrap it up, let's talk a little lacrosse because the lacrosse world had some very, uh, some very exciting things go on in the past we, past little while. We got our we got our cities for PLL. PLL got cities. Uh, can you pull that up while I, yeah. while I talk? For those who don't follow the PLL like we do, which is fair, um, it's the Professional Lacrosse League, uh, and they were doing a, what do they call it, uh, like a, a venue system where they would just pick cities. A touring. Tour. Tour. Yeah, yeah, tour system. They would tour. They'd go to a city like a concert, play there for the weekend, next weekend go to a different city. Well, they finally decided to settle the teams down um, and go to actual conferences. So it's going to have an East and a West. Right now it's still only eight teams, and the teams are... Ben? So we got, in the West, Utah Archers. So I... We'll, we'll get some opinions afterwards. Yeah. Um, in the West, we also have uh, the returning Denver Outlaws. Love that one. Yeah. Um, we got the California Redwoods, and I believe destined to be. I believe we also Carolina. Yep, we have the Carolina Chaos. Carolina Chaos. So let's let's go through the West. The thoughts on the West, real quick. Yeah. Um, love the Archers look. Uh, I think Utah was a good spot for them. Um, I know PLL has a really good relationship with Salt Lake in that area. Um, yeah, also the Utah program uh, coming in to D1 in the past couple of years has really helped out there. They've had a lot of a lot of prospects coming out of Utah recently, so good lacrosse. City yeah, I think, 
I think when you look at trying to grow the game west, Utah is definitely a hotbed and a good spot to set up a team there. Absolutely. And really, besides basketball, an untapped market, you know? And if you're going to look at it like that, you got PLL archers in the summertime, a lot of similar concepts to basketball, fast pace, shot yep. clock, a lot of the offenses are, are similar. And then in the wintertime, you got the Jazz. So I, I really like that, that choice by them, Utah archers. They didn't really do much with the logo. They made it look a little. The arrowhead look a little bit more like a mountain. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, I, I don't hate it. Um, we got Denver Outlaws. Uh, we kind of knew and expect this one to come. Uh, unfortunately, it meant losing the Chrome. I do Some think, say unfortunately. I I, I I think they were the weakest. Absolutely, were the weakest identity. Team. Yeah. Of the whole PLL, however, I, I did like the night and I liked the style they were going for. Unfortunately, it didn't really. The other ones were just better. They, they were. They, they were just better. And it's um, great to see the Outlaws come I do out. like to see the Outlaws. I want to see what they do with the uniforms. Right. Um, it's real interesting. Once we hopefully see more MLL teams come in, try to establish a, an identity within themselves that wasn't the god-awful identities that were MLL. I was just going to say, because like... The like those uniforms are horrendous. And they were one of the most iconic ones that were in the MLL, too. Yeah. Which is... You know, whatever. But I liked that the Cannons obviously immediately rebranded and went with something that was an actual concept when they came into the league. So hopefully the Outlaws do something similar. I'd love to see a matte black helmet. Yeah. You know? But obviously an orange bucky would well, be Give crispy. me some, like, Oregon State kind of, like... I was thinking or, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, State. Oklahoma, Oklahoma yeah, State. Yeah, Oklahoma yeah. State vibes um, for the Denver Outlaws there. Um, California Redwoods. That one was always destined to be. We kinda, oh, the minute we, that they were the Redwoods Lacrosse Club. Like, yeah, come we, on. we all know that they were going over there. Um, I think it's... I, it, I love that look and identity for California that I feel like I could get more of. Like I feel like a lot of the professional sports teams around the California base are flashy, like more Hollywood-esque. Yeah, yeah. And I like... The ninety other percent of California that the redwoods represent, yeah, I, more of that wilderness aspect. Yeah, the rural, the the grizzly, obviously, but also their uniforms too, in a sense. Clean. Yeah. You know, they they always rock the pinstripe. I I like the, the pinstripe. pinstripe. Right, that's always a good look, and allegedly they're going to be based out of Irvine, uh, so. Central to Northern California, yeah. um, which I think is good. Stay, not stay out of the South. You could probably end up getting maybe like San Diego Riptide rolling or something like that. Um, but I think in terms of growing the game, because San Diego's already got a lacrosse base, Northern California makes a lot of sense, especially with Oregon right, you know, right to the yeah. north. I mean, San, obviously geographically, San Diego, saying Oregon right there. San Diego does have an NLO team, so I mean, if you're gonna right. try to get more exactly grow markets. the game, it's, uh, BS. But because we're gonna say grow the game on these these two of these first three markets, and then immediately go back to lacrosse hotbeds from here. Yeah. So, so we got Carolina Chaos. There you Carolina go. Chaos. Um, um, this is the one look that I feel like has been <laughs> improved because of the location. Absolutely. How uh, Mike, this is the one that I was sad about. I knew it was coming. I was a chaos guy. Yeah, uh, we, we had a lot of bandits. I knew I, we weren't one of the finalist cities. I knew that from the beginning. We weren't a part of the 500 that they put on there. Right. 
like we weren't gonna get picked. However, I I had a little thought in me. Maybe they just fuck around and put the chaos in Buffalo. That would have been a lot. <laughs> Uh, and I, I, I heard a couple, well, not heard, but read a couple chaos guys who were saying, man, we belong in Buffalo before the, the cities were announced. Um, but yeah, Carolina is not a bad spot for them. I really like their, their logo, their secondary and stuff is really good. And they're leaning into that kind of Carolina hurricanes. We're a bunch of jerks. Right. Go fuck yourself. Kind of. Yeah. 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 And I'm here. I love it. it. I'm here for it. Uh, I, I also think it's a good spot for them to be in the Carolinas, wherever that's going to end up being. But, yeah. yeah. And I also like in their logo, as a Carolina, the Carolinas team, they did north and south combined outline. Correct, instead yeah. of, like, you know, like, not that the parent, the Carolina Panthers have, you know, state outline logo, but if they did, would they do that? Doubt it. You know what I mean? So I, I like that. Have. That was pretty cool. Have they? So then we got um, the East. (laughs) All right, in the East. (laughs) We got uh, New York Atlas, which on first glance, I like the choice of them in New York, but we'll get to everything after. Uh, Philly Water Dogs, also thought was a great choice. Yep. Um, Maryland's Whip Snakes, which... Another Destined to Be. Another Destined to Be, and... Talk about also destined to be was the Boston Cannon. They weren't going anywhere. No, they were sticking in Boston. Obviously, yeah, that was never a doubt. And uh, these are all hotbeds. Yeah, these are all across hot. Well, I mean, honestly, when you talk about Eastern Conference, if you're gonna have an Eastern Conference, they're pretty much all gonna be lacrosse hotbeds because that's where the predominant majority of people who play are. Um, but on top of that, the hotbeds of the hotbeds. I mean, yeah. So let's let's get to the New York Atlas. I loved, loved everything that Atlas did for the first three, three, four seasons now. Why didn't you make five? Because I thought it started in 2019. Because their second year was COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this would be... This would be year five. This would be year five, yeah. And we're going into year six. Shit. Yeah. Going fast. So, yeah, no, first five seasons, Atlas loved their identity. It was It was one of the best in the league. Yeah. Um. Way too cartoonish. Uh... Portions are just not done correctly. There's there's a lot of flaws and a lot of issues going on with their new look. Secondary logo <laughs> slaps. Yeah, just basically just your stereotypical NY, but slaps. Give it a little uh, bullhorns. Yeah, give it some bullhorns. Love that. It's yeah. They should stick directly to that. Directly to that. Um, again, New York, good spot for that. But god dang, man, that is a butchering of a logo. Especially compared yeah. to what they had. So then we got Water Dogs. Um, honestly, my real big complaint here, and it's a weird one. I don't like the introduction of gray. Since the color scheme, I understand they're going for the Great Dane. They colored it up gray, kind of like you all when you look. I liked it when they were more of a purple, blue, black. Purple, white. Purple, white, yeah. and black. Well, that doesn't mean that they're well, not like a hit of blue, lavender, it. you know. Because, like, again, secondary logo slaps. They 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 solidified the paw print with the script dogs as their Love secondary, um, and that was purple and white. So I don't know if, if the gray is gonna be something that is truly incorporated. We're gonna have to see when more stuff comes out. Um, but in terms of the logo, yeah, it also 
almost reverse of what happened with the Atlas went too serious realistic. Like they like, were kind yeah. of cartoony, goofy, and now it's like a, it's a dog face, with a collar. Correct. Like simple, simple goes better. Hence why the the redwoods grizzly. It slaps. It goes the hard and logo, and also scorpion, and whip snakes. And like, the whip snakes. You don't need to go. So the Maryland out. whips. The so Maryland, yeah, that brings us. That's a nice segue to the Maryland segue, man. whips. Maryland Whips, they got rid of the green and went for Maryland colors. They were already red and black and white, so yeah. they just swapped green for yellow. Um, and, yeah. That, Their M logo with the snake going through it. Mwah. Yeah, that is terrific. Also one that I hope I see more of incorporated with their whole scheme. You know they're going to use heavy Maryland flag on it. Um I did like that there was a there's a great tweet, it might have even been Jordy Barstool, uh, who put out leaked uh Maryland whip snake jerseys and it was just the Maryland jerseys from last year. <laughs> it's just a goalie making a save. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's great. That's that's funny stuff. <laughs> and then obviously last but not least, it's the cannon. Boston Cannons, baby. We know it's, we knew exactly what this was gonna be. It's a classic. Uh did and we get Lyle back. Great question. Uh, I would think he would leave. Yeah, you don't think he uh, he plays in the PLL ever? I don't know. I don't know either. I think Box might be his his true his true love of lacrosse. Which fair if that's your thing, man. And the the time frame, I feel like the longevity of players and boxes significantly higher. Which is insane. Which is weird. <laughs> Watching them play, it's insane. But I think that just goes to um, the youth that is in field lacrosse. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of guys coming in. Because although box is still fast, I feel like there's... Yeah, because there's a of, lot more guys... Because of the crazy. limited space, you're able to play slower. Yes, I was also going to say... defense. There's so many more guys who try to transition from field to box and from box to field. There's not as... Like, there's box junior leagues all across Canada and... You know, there's there's box junior leagues here in New York and stuff, but it's not like playing junior hockey where you could just go somewhere in the States and go play junior A or junior B hockey. Um, so in that sense, field lacrosse is where you, most guys in the States cut their teeth and then go and learn how to play box if they can or if they know where to go play box versus the box game, you're not going to get I mean, how many guys got drafted in the first, second round of the PLL draft last year who are like, come on, man, that's a stud. Like, that should be a first overall pick talent kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and we're already talking, I mean, you and me talk all the time about these teams have too much talent on them and we got to expand the league. You know, like, give us two more teams. I, I do feel probably by next season we'll get another. Uh, absolutely. Well, now that they got that, they can start popping back out MLL teams. You know, they got the and, ball in the back pocket. I know that they were always planning on going to the city aspect. I think once they obtained MLL, it made it easier to set up identities. Well, absolutely. And there's another, there's another really good point is they're able to take this whole thing now. Instead of starting the league, of, we're in this city, we're a new league, let's find fans and promote and find dealership brands and stuff like that. Now it's no, we're this league. This is what we're worth. This is what we get. We got in rev- revenue. 
what cities want us, who's going to give us brand deals, what's the deal. So they're already going into this in a much better situation than the MLL ever did of being like, hey, we're a new league, we're going to stick a team in Rochester, and Rochester's like, all right, where are you going to play? It's like, no, this is the PLL, we got eight, city, eight teams for eight cities, what cities can facilitate this? Yeah, so... Was Peacock their most recent one? No, that was their first one. I liked them on Peacock. Yeah? As much as, like, I feel like not a lot of people have, because there's not much of a need to it, I liked them on Peacock because the true fans, like, stuck by. And I'll be real, I'm just not a fan of ESPN+. Plus. I love ESPN+. Plus. I, I feel like, <coughs> especially in the hockey aspect... I feel like all the extras, like, for football and everything else is great. I feel like specifically for hockey and lacrosse, it just kind of gets lost too much. Well, or... ESPN doesn't give a shit. Correct. Peacock didn't give a shit. That was all PLL. Yeah. They just let them post it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were great with their media crew for the first couple of years, and then they got the ESPN deal. Yeah. I'd say the same thing about the NHL, not like that... Anything has gone crazy for them, but, you know, not like anything was amazing beforehand, I should say, when they got the ESPN deal, but once they got back on ESPN, it's like, all right, well, now all we got to do is be here. Yep. Which is stupid. Yeah. Um, I will say with ESPN, we've gotten more, like, broadcaster uh, personalities than with NBC. Like, the analysts are yeah certainly more... Well, that's also going to just come with finding more and more people who actually do that as a talent and know the game. And, and care. Because, and like, Ryan Boyle is too. great. He's yeah. terrific as a color commentator. Yeah. Um, but they need more guys like him, you know? All right. Yeah. I think that about wraps it up for us, folks. That was us ranting. Ranting and then talking a little bit of lacrosse. So that's what you get with the Yelich boys. Um, that'll do for me. Ben, you got any parting thoughts? I would say go Bills. Hurts. Yeah, that hurts way too much. Well, this has been another episode <laughs> of Stats and Stats Podcast. Uh, championship Pro Caliber Sports Podcast. I got that out. Don't worry. Uh, catch us on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Google Machine, Apple. Uh, and we'll catch you on the flip side, folks.